Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International, a business consultancy specializing in personal development, public and government affairs, along with community and corporate relations. I'm delighted to have you join us today, and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. Our aim on this platform is to discuss the nuances associated with communication and its continuum and to help you maximize the results that you get from effective communication within your own spheres of influence, be it your family, your business, your relationships, etc. We're here to help you to become a top notch communicator. So with that being said, be sure to like, subscribe and share the Communication Guru Podcast so that we can go ahead and get this word out and you can be notified when new episodes are available for public consumption. Now, one of the best ways to increase one's chances of success in life is to link up with the right alliances and partnerships. Now, we often see this in the business community with mergers and acquisitions and conglomerations and consolidations as places like, you know, Apple and Google and Microsoft gobble up other type of technologies. We see they do that to strengthen and consolidate what they're able to do. And as a result, they become a strengthened organization. In a similar fashion, alliances also play a vital role when we consider people groups, nations, and cultures. Correlatively, the messaging and communication involving said people groups, nations, and cultures is also equally important. So on today's show, we'll take a deeper dive into the nuances of alliances and relationships between people groups, nations and cultures and the critical role that appropriate messaging and communication plays in strengthening or weakening said alliances. So joining us today to do this deep dive is Pastor Dumasani Washington, founder and CEO of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, or IPSI for short. He's also the former diversity outreach coordinator uh, for the over 11 million member Christians United for Israel, or CUFI, of which I serve as state director for Wisconsin for even now currently. And Pastor Dumasani served for seven years in that role. In addition to that, Pastor Dumasani is a professional musician. All right. He got skills like David was playing the harp. He's a skilled guy. <laughs> you heard is a graduate of the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He's also a father, a husband and author whose latest book is the second edition of Zionism and the Black Church. Why standing with Israel will be a defining issue for Christians of color in the 21st century. So please help me welcome to the show the one and only Pastor Dumasani Washington. What's up, brother? How you doing today? Pastor Tim, I'm here with bells on. You sent me that note. I said, oh, no, I'm going to be on that show. There's going to be some problems if I wasn't on the show. So what's happening? What's happening, my friend? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got it, man. I'm so delighted to have you uh, here on, on, on the show. I know you got an extensive travel schedule and very, very busy, man. So I really, really count it an honor for you to come on in and vibe with us on today. And with that being said, I'll go ahead and get right into it. Now, you have a very eclectic, creative-centric kind of background, you know, given your know, author, musician, you know, writer, all of this kind of stuff. How have you been able to effectively blend all of those skill sets together in one big pot of gumbo? 
Tim, I, I take no credit. So what had happened over the last 20 plus years in which this began to come into view, right, in my young adult life, uh, I'd say probably 30 plus years, has been really a God thing, right? The, the musician part started for me as a little kid, right? I started playing at home. I was playing in church. I played for the choirs. By the time I'm like eight, nine years old, I'm playing for the children's choir, all that kind of stuff. So that was just there. Came from my father. He was a singer. He So the, the gene thing was passed down. Not, not the singer part. I'm the musician. He got the vocal skills. I got the keyboard. <laughs> and then the whole, the church part with preaching and teaching. And then my mom, she was the over the youth department, all that kind of stuff. But we had youth. Sunday at our church, everything like that, we take over, right? We do Sunday school, all that kind of stuff. And so I just loved it. I love the word. I love to teach. I love to kind of be a part of that. And then also the, 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 uh, along with that, uh, the, the writing part just became something that I, I would do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have kind of put my thoughts pen to paper, that type of thing. So over a period of time, man, in Israel, Africa, as you all know, we'll get into it. There's a lot of blending that's there. These little strands of my life just began to come together, right? Uh-huh. And it didn't make sense at the time. Like everybody's life, you look back in retrospect and you see, okay, that's why I was doing this or that's why this was happening. Even the bad stuff, right? We look back and God just kind of works it out, right? It's like, okay, this happened. It wasn't cool, but it led to this. And that makes sense now and everything like that. So that's what happened. So now the day in terms of writing about these things, whether it comes to Israel, Africa, Black America, that type of thing, mm-hmm. the music portion of it, which is really fused with it, uh, along with the uh, uh, the preaching, the teaching, of course, and the word, all the kind of these things just kind of flow from one thing to the other, which is why I'll start doing an event at a college. And, you know, I start preaching. I say, OK, man, let's 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 get it back in this lane over here. Right. So that type of thing, because they are all so connected. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Now, speaking of the, the preaching and the teaching piece um, in, in the Bible, Matthew, chapter number nine, verses thirty five through 40 references Jesus going, you know, through all the cities and the villages, you know, teaching in synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Kingdom, but also seeing the people being scattered abroad like sheep having no shepherd. The COVID-19 pandemic has had a similarly disruptive impact across all societal sectors, including the church. So as a pastor, how have you noticed the pandemic and its impact to people's relationship to and with the church has there been a big impact that you witnessed or not so much or what's been your observations in that vein it's been a huge impact pastor tim just noticing it locally of course you know i live in north carolina now i grew up in from california so literally from the east coast to the west coast or vice versa i've watched this in real time different pastors churches denominations even culturally right what happened predominantly the hispanic circles black all that kind of stuff just just kind of watching it and i I think there's been some good bad, right? I think mm-hmm. that in, in a concise way, the bad has been, it has been divisive, right? It's mm. been a situation where people have had different outlooks on it or different feelings about it. They've been impacted by it, right? Their family, my, my family member had COVID, family member died of COVID, right? And then other people who've been separated, they haven't been able to get to, you know, I have family and friends or, or I should say friends whose loved ones died, but they couldn't have a funeral, right? I mean, mm. they, because they couldn't come together. And so they, the grieving was just, multiplied even more so. So they had all of that. I would say the positive part has been, it has forced particularly pastors, not just Christians, but pastors uh, to really do a deeper dive in terms of what ministry means for them. Mm. How are they in the midst of all the, the stuff going on in media and the medical stuff and everything? How are they clarifying their role to minister? As you said, looking like Jesus, when he looked at the crowd, saw sheep without a shepherd, that 
for many pastors got redefined. I know for me as a pastor, right, in California, we're about to launch our ministry out here in North Carolina. We've been doing a lot of thinking and praying through what the pandemic has done. The things that, I'll say this one last thing, it revealed some good things and again, some not so good things, right? Some, mm-hmm. it's like anything else in life, you go through a trial and it shows you where you are, right? right? And I think that the church has been, some things have been kind of revealed about where she's lacking. Maybe she needs to step up. Mm-hmm. And then some other areas where she's been able to step up and really do some ministry that, some opportunities that maybe they weren't there before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's an excellent point you bring about relative to kind of force the church to look inside herself and say, okay, now, are we doing the go ye into all mm-hmm. the land as best we could have, or are there some areas of, of improvement? One of the things that I see is the... Um, the whole influx of technology and streaming being really not just an ancillary part of ministry, but a central vein of it, part of the main infrastructure. Because if the people still have, you know, some consumer lack of confidence in going out in public, they would prefer to observe, you know, from a streaming device or some sort of online, you know, circumstance or situation for, for, for them. That said, do you think that the church for a long time kind of was, you know, we are the church and the rest of society is the rest of society, you know, separation, you know, type of deal, come out from among them, et cetera, that the church maybe took that to an extreme when, in fact, Jesus, you know, walked amongst the people. And I think there's a scripture somewhere, I think maybe in Luke, that talks about he was amongst the sinners and they listened to him. How can the church be better embedded into society amongst the heathens, if you will, without, you know, losing its integrity as being, you know, lights to the world, ambassadors for Christ, etc., but being embedded into society close enough to be able to bring the kingdom to society? I think it's an excellent uh, question and point that you make, Pastor Tim. I, I think that one of well, one of the most divisive parts of the pandemic's effect on the church was that very issue. I remember uh, back still in California, 2020, uh, we had the the COVID restrictions and the lockdowns began in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't have, first you didn't, you couldn't have come together at all, but then you, you know, social distance, right? The chairs and that type of thing. And so our church immediately moved in that we would, we would have our chairs separate so people could come and, and we have hand sanitizer, those types of things so that people could have those things accessible. Right. And I remember one gentleman began to come and worship with us. A newer gentleman I saw, we started to talk and no joke. He was saying that, I come with you all because most of the other churches that I was affiliated with, with, particularly my home one, they have still closed their doors. They haven't opened the doors. And we didn't cast any judgment. We just said, okay, you're welcome. You're welcome to be with us. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I was on the board. Maybe he's on the board or the deacon board, whichever one is past him. And he said, in the meeting, he said, I said, they were talking about the pandemic and we're not going to come together and everything. He said, well, I think we also need to have faith. And he wasn't trying to step into a medical thing. He said, let's be prayerful about maybe we can't. He said, they came at him so fast. Wow. Mm. And they were so, I mean, immediately with all the daggers out. And he really felt like he was just trying to offer a suggestion. He said, and pastor, that's why I worship with you all. They basically, I was like, man, my heart just broke. Right. Because I heard those stories tip over and over and over again, that even in the body, there wasn't always a lot of dialogue Mm -hmm. in terms of 
facts, figures. It was just a lot of maybe fear, right. maybe emotions, maybe a kind of. So even if someone like you just said went and went to a scripture like a go ye, they would immediately get slammed. What do you mm. mean? How dare you? And mm. that was one of the things I saw revealed that type of almost like an irrational, not so much, not, not let's discuss this in real terms, yeah. but any discussion about it. I shut it down. That was the thing that probably concerned me the most. Wow. That's deep, man. That's deep. Now, the church and Judeo-Christianity itself has its roots in Israel. And based on what we see in popular news media, Israel is a quote-unquote complicated place. What would you say is the biggest misconception about Israel? I would say where the church is concerned, probably Pastor Tim, that the, the current state of Israel, the modern Jewish state, is actually a continuation of biblical Israel. That, to me, is the biggest mm. controversy, right? There, there's two schools of thought, basically, basically two schools. That's the main, that the modern Israel has nothing to do with the Israel in the Bible. And then the other side of that is that, the, like I said, the, the, the modern Jewish state is still Israel, the Israel that was when King David established Jerusalem 3,000 years ago, that same Israel. Now, Obviously, the differences would be we're in a modern era, right? And you have everything from technology to a type of government that didn't exist. You didn't have a Knesset back then. You had a king, you know, you had a royal court, those types of things. Right. But their belief seems to be splintered into the belief that the Jewish people who are living in Israel now and returning literally from the four corners of the earth, Europe, Africa, Asia, Latin America, you name it that these are the same people of the quote unquote book, right? Mm -hmm. And that they are returning and as, biblical prophecy, right? God said, I'll return them to the land, right? I'll rebuild the ruined cities. I will rebuild the ruins and rebuild the cities. So you have that happening and there's a, there's a divide, right? Either people believe that that's a biblical manifestation or it's just a made up United Nations ploy, right? And that seems to be the crux of what the fight actually is, where the church is concerned. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like in, 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 the, in the black church, it has a particular kind of you know, divisive nature. I, I don't know necessarily know that it is, you know, on purpose in most regards. Sometimes it's just out of sight, out of mind. I know growing up, you know, I would read Israel, you know, in the Bible and Sunday school and stuff like that. But it wasn't until later on as an adult that it became a, a aha moment of, wait a minute, mm -hmm. Jesus is Jewish. Israel <laughs> might have some significance. Why aren't more messages or sermons about that connection and in that same vein with you being the founder of the black institute for solidarity for israel uh, ipsy how did that come about and why is it important for the black community to support and roll with israel my first trip to israel 2012 as a, a guest pastor with christians united for israel uh, it happened to be hanukkah i'm at the western wall with all the other pastors i'm praying there and as i talk about in my book I had what I can only describe as just as a divine revelation. God starts talking to me about something that had been a passion of mine for years up to that, both Israel and Africa, right? So mm -hmm. these things like we talked about before, these different strands of your life, they kind of converge right there at the Western Wall. I'm praying and I'm kind of as best I can kind of hearing what he's saying. I'm just, you know, trying to work all that through, you know, just mind being blown at that moment, right? I'm seeing like map pictures of Africa and Israel and just all this kind of stuff's going on. Wow. I'm just kind of, I'm just humble beyond belief and trying to figure out what's happening. Right. So from there, I returned home. And what, what, one of the main things God put on my heart there was, I want you to strengthen the alliance between Israel and Africa. 
uh-huh. in between the black and Jewish community. And as I tell the church all the time, you know, if it's God probably talking to you because you have no idea how you go do what he just said. Like he, <laughs> he said just enough for you to go, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, so that's what we tell folks. The difference between a dream and a vision. A dream might be something that's exciting to me. A vision, God give you something. You're like going, what? wait a minute, who? What you, what you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? Pastor <laughs> <laughs> Tim, that was me. I, so when I got home, just praying, God, how do I do this? researching and finding out. I knew a little bit about Dr. King's personal stance. There was a lot of stuff I didn't know, right? I didn't, I hadn't really done a deeper dive like that. Found out about BASIC, Black Americans to Support Israel Committee, founded in 1975 by Dr. King's former friends and colleagues, right? He had already been assassinated in 68, but his wife, his dad, they're all a part of this organization, right? And I found mm-hmm. out about the organization through a, a, an Israeli author by the name of Gil Troy. He's an author of a book called Moynihan's Moment and other great books. And, and somebody sent me his article. Here's a piece of my legacy, right? As a black American, there was this huge organization with folks like Arthur Ashe and Leontine Price. They're all members of this thing. Wow. And history had buried it past the time. And I go, wait a minute. I, I was emotional, right? I'm like going, okay, this was the black response to anti-Israel sentiment coalesced, I mean, from the clergy, wow. from the from the education sector. Yeah. I mean, huge name. And what was the name of that group again? The basic one? It's called BASIC. BASIC, B-A-S-I-C, BASIC, which stands for Black Americans to Support Israel Committee. I write about it in my book. And ladies and gentlemen that are listening, we have the document on our website. Go to ibsi-now.org, ibsi-now.org. Click on documents and you'll see the actual document of the New York Times article taken out by BASIC. And we have a replica of it too, because it's kind of hard to be just old and everything, but mm-hmm. you click on it and you'll see the name. You'll see the name like Count Basie. Mrs. Medgar Edwards, right? Rosa Parks. These really? people are the members. They join a pro-Israel, black pro-Israel organization saying, we stand with Israel and the Jewish people. We stand for peace. They were not anti-Arab, anti-Palestinian whatsoever. Yeah. But they recognized that Israel was being demonized to the point that you asked Pastor Tim by using the language of civil rights. They called Zionism. The, the United Nations was calling Zionism racism. We know Lloyd Law, they start calling Israel an apartheid state. Now, come on, Pastor Tim, you and I both know, now is that not true, but it's actually appropriating the struggle of black South Africans, black Americans, folks who really went through that. Exactly. That's how we got pulled into this fight, Pastor Tim. Oh man, 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 that 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 will that that's foul that that information is not widely known. And it sounds like given the notoriety of some of the folks that you mentioned, and I'm sure that's only a sample of the entire list, that that hasn't been ballyhooed across and bellowed out on on, on the rooftops. Now, given it sounds like, as LL says, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. There's been black support for Israel across sectors, across, you know, genres, et cetera. Recently, there seems to be some, you know, kerfuffle in some regards with the black Hebrew Israelites and some other celebrities who happen to be black that, you know, got into a little dust up as it relates to uh, Israel, the Jewish community. Nick Cannon comes to mind even more recently. Whoopi Goldberg uh, comes to mind. What is your you know, take on that and how can we as the black community get more in line with the revelation that the basics organization and those blacks that were a part of that how can we get back to that sort of mentality and 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 stand and uh you know alliance quite frankly with israel i pastor tim in our organization ipsy 
Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. One of the reasons why we chose the word institute is because it's a teaching organization mm. above everything else. Even before the even before the advocacy and all kinds of stuff, teaching. We found what does the word of God say? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack right? Of knowledge. So just as I was sharing about basic and I was blown away as well. I was like, well, here's a huge piece of not just American history, of black history, of Israel's history, right? Here mm-hmm. you go in this situation where black Jewish and because they had a strong Africa Israel component as well. They, this it was like they were deep up in it, and like you said, and it wasn't a it wasn't a comeback. Been there for years, right? You're going back forty mm-hmm. something years now in terms of the 1970s, right. right? So, Pastor Tim, what we found first and foremost is that when we do our live events, when we're in churches, right? If we're in mixed settings, where it might be the Jewish and Black folks together, whatever, we're on college campuses. I'll be in UCLA in a few weeks. When we are bringing this information. When it's younger people, they're kind of blown away because they've been seeing a different narrative in terms of pop culture and that type of political reality, right? Mm-hmm. When it's older folks, right, like me in the fifties and going up, they're like going, "Wow, they may have ever, they may have remembered a little bit here and there, but they'll be mm-hmm. like, "Wow, I didn't realize this, I didn't realize that," and that's because it's not broadly taught. So mm-hmm. what we find, Pastor Tim, is to answer your question, in order for the black community and then broader to reclaim that. Like you said, it hasn't really gone away. It's just been obscured, right? It's like, it's always been there. I tell people I travel the country all the time. I see rabbis and black pastors working together all the time, the black and Jewish community. It's not a new thing. This thing has always been the case. However, media, like the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads. They don't Mm -hmm. want to report on a pastor, Tim, a rabbi, such and such, building some great community center. They want some drama, right? They want something bad. They want, and so they put that on the news. They pump that up. And that's one of the ways that the black community and the broader American society has been victimized because we don't don't have access to the right history. We get a healthy dose of, here's all the bad things that are going on. It makes Mm -hmm. people very jaded. It Mm -hmm. makes them very suspicious and all that kind of stuff, which is why our organization exists. Hey, no, let's have a real conversation about what's really going yeah, we recently uh, just um, just last week actually we had a pastors brunch, a Why Israel pastors brunch here in, in, in Milwaukee, and one of the things that was shared with one of the Kufi staffers that had flew in the town, field coordinator, uh, brother Kirby Calhoun, shout out brother Kirby, um, was that in talking with Irving Roth, who was a Holocaust survivor, you're familiar with, who recently passed, may he rest in peace. He said that what he's seeing today in you know the rise in anti-Semitism and anti-Jewish sentiment, anti-Israel sentiments, United Nations, you know, trying to get their different committees together, human rights committees and violations or whatever, that it is akin to the lead up to what he saw in the 30s when Nazi Germany, you know, and Auschwitz and had the concentration camps and things like that. Um if if like you know if a frog is in the pot and you're turning the heat up and he doesn't know that he's being cooked if some of these same strands are starting to percolate what are some of the things in addition to that teaching that you're talking about can particularly america americans black community and otherwise do to say hey wait a minute man it's looking like stuff is starting to heat up the anti-semitism stuff we need to turn that fire down you know, and and, 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 and and check stuff in when it needs to be checked in. How can that happen so that nobody can, again, turn a blind? I say, well, I didn't see it coming. If my man is saying it's looking like the same signs back then are manifesting now, how do, you, how do people open up their eyes and get the fog out of their eyes? 
people in general, people have to be uh, both informed and then willing to speak up, right? We talk about that's a very, very basic principle. We're willing to call stuff out, right? And that don't mean that Pastor Tim has a podcast. Well, you may be listening, you may not have a podcast, right? But you have your sphere of influence. You have your friends, you have your colleagues, you have your church members. And when you have some knowledge about something, especially if you see something that's maybe going off in the wrong direction, go ahead and interject that thing. I love the way you say it, Pastor Tim. It's not just what you say, how you say it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and Christian love. Go ahead. Hey, you might want to check this out. Hey, I'm going to send you a link. You might want to consider this. Uh, those things are very, very important because on the ground, when people have, I share this with college students all the time when they do their Israel advocacy, that they're up against a lot I don't know what that campus is. And one of the reasons why it's important that they exist, right, is that they are offering information to their other colleagues, their co- their, their, their classmates, that they otherwise wouldn't have access to, right? I mean, you and I both know you go just Google something, you're not going to get a lot of balance or even especially pro-Israel content, right? You're going to get a lot of that same propaganda and you're not going to really find out. And let me just interject for the people that are listening. When we're talking about pro-Israel as an organization, that doesn't mean, I want to say again, I'll double down on this, that doesn't mean anti-Palestinian, right? What we find is that those Israel supporters that are truly knowledgeable, right? They're truly informed. They recognize that the Palestinians are being oppressed. And they begin to understand who Hamas is, who the PLO is, and what's actually happening in those territories. The Arabs of Israel enjoy a high standard of living. They're on the Supreme Court. They're in the Knesset. They're doctors. They're lawyers. Is it a perfect society? Absolutely not. But the Arab Israelis that are there who serve in the IDF, who lay their lives on the line to defend the Jewish state, that would let you know, not an apartheid state, they'll let you know that these folks here as Arabs, when they hear the apartheid claim, they say, that's ridiculous. When we understand what apartheid was, that was a, the white South African government completely beating down, marginalizing, discriminating blacks and other folks that they called colors. They would let you know, an Arab Israeli let you know, no, here I enjoy complete freedom, can wear school and do what I want. As a matter of fact, you know, the highest status in terms of a, demo, a demographic in Israel are the Arab Christian community. They seem to make the most money and wow. the best positions and everything <laughs> in the Jewish state. So, so not only are they not kicked to the curb in an apartheid yes, type yes. state, they enjoy most of the prosperity at higher levels and higher concentrations than the rest of the population there. Yes. Absolutely, Pastor Tim. Absolutely. That was not true in the black apartheid South Africa, right? The black folks was not enjoying none of this stuff. They was in these, these, these in the camps. They was, uh, I mean, in the uh, right. shanty towns in the lowest yeah, there you go. Thank you, on the totem yes, pole. Couldn't have certain jobs, couldn't go to certain schools, all that kind of stuff. So when you call Israel apartheid state, you are completely insulting right. the black folks, including my own family. My daughter-in-law, of course, and is from South Africa. And lying, too. Come on now. And Tim, who's the, who, you hear people, y'all, people, y'all hear? It's not Israel that's ultimately being hurt. Yeah, they don't like hearing all that, but they prosper. And I, I hear their economy doing all right. They get technology, <laughs> one of the world. You know who it's impacting? The black community. See, when uh. our community gets used for that type of exploitation, mm-hmm. right? And it gets conflated. When you get stuff like happening on the streets, you say, oh, Israel is the reason for racism. And you and I both know that's what's going on on the street, Pastor Tim. Not only is that not true, it's actually taking the focus off of really solving a problem, whether it's in a Milwaukee or in Oakland or Los Angeles or Chicago. If there's something there that's actually happening in a black disenfranchised community, bringing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict into it, now it doesn't make any sense. It hurts the folks on the ground who really need to be, as they're working through solutions and solving situations that need to happen there. That's the real tragedy over the last 50 plus years. Wow. Wow. And with that said, we talk about, you know, the black community and 
uh, the 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 disproportionate negative impact that anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiments end up having on the black community if we dive in on that, you know, wrong side of the track, so to speak. Now, related to that, the entire diaspora, you know, the continent of Africa and black people, you know, period, I'm hearing that Israel is making more inroads into the continent and continuing on in relationship building and restoration within the black community here in America. Can you speak to some of the things that you're on the ground? With? I know you have relationships with folks, you know, in Africa, you know, Igbo, uh, folks from Nigeria and Christians and things like that. Can you share some of the insights that you have as it relates to some of the alliances that are happening? I know that there has been some uh, water irrigation and some other type of solar type things that have been kind of done stealthily a little bit, but it's, it's some real powerful stuff that if it continues, it could really have some transformative catalytic impacts in the continent and throughout the diaspora for that matter. Pastor Tim, it has been happening particularly since the 1950s. The modern Jewish state wow. received independence in 1948. Golda Meir was the first foreign minister to Africa from mm. Israel, and Julius Nairi, the president of Tanzania, called her the mother of Africa. Wow. We had medical programs, education, technology, finance, all these other types of things. You had By the time you get to the 1970s, Israel has more embassies in Africa than any other nation other than the United States. As a matter of fact, with the African Union, there's what? 54, man, I break, I break it down in my book. I write down in my book about it. And Gil Troy talked about it. We talk, once again, we're talking about history. We were talking about, can I, can I, let me just say this real quick. Israel's relationship with Africa goes back 3,000 years when the Queen of Sheba visited King Solomon in Jerusalem. And for folks who don't care, you know, go ahead and read 1 Kings chapter 10. The only region in the world to come to Israel bearing gifts and peace and freedom was Africa. The only one, the only place that actually wow. came to Jerusalem and not trying to destroy Jerusalem yeah. and kill the Jews was Africa. That's the only time. <laughs> Any other time you read about some sort of nation marching on Jerusalem, they ain't coming there bringing gifts. They ain't coming there bearing love and unity and putting some dap, none of that kind of stuff. She stands in Jerusalem, First Kings chapter 10, and says, Solomon, God has made you king because he loves Israel forever. No other foreign nation ever because was the only one that ever did it, right? Wow. Now, hold on one second. My dog just barked. Y'all might have to edit that out. Y'all good. Right. Right. Tell oh, Rover, we said, relax. We still record. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So, and when this happens, you all, we're talking about 3,000 years, and now the modern Jewish state with relationships. There are yeah. 54 African countries. Israel has either alliances or relationships with 44 of them. And the other 10 that aren't there, you talking about the ones like the Algerias that are still pretty much an Islamist mindset, right? You have that. Pastor Tim, Israel has always enjoyed good relations with Africa. And with the Abraham Accords, with these Arab states, you have anti-Semitism lessening in the Arab Muslim world and rising in the U.S. Go ahead and wrap your brain around that one, right? Wow. It's rising here for when Israel's enemies actually making peace with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan. Israel's making peace with friends, with people who have been their enemies since 1948. But here they are moving forward. A billion dollars of trade happened with, between Israel and the UAE just last year alone, right? While the West is descending further into Jew hatred, Africa and the East is embracing Israel. I'm saying this last thing when it comes to Black America, you have Jews and Israelis working throughout the United States, has always has been the case, bringing all kinds of solutions. I remember several years ago, Israel's uh, uh, technology, the, 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 the Gen 
360 of what is called a machine that can make water out of thin air was placed in one of the counties there in Florida because they were having water situations. And they even tried to help and were helping with the situation in Flint, Michigan. We know it's a much deeper issue there, ladies Mm. and gentlemen. But even Israeli technology was there to try to bring some relief there. This has been going on for decades, Pastor Tim. None of this is new, but the media doesn't talk about it. And this is one of the reasons why our organization exists, because folks need to know that Israel has been a friend to Africa and to Black America in a way that no one would really understand. So for the demonization that she receives, not only is it not fair, the opposite is actually true. (laughs) How you like them apples? Man. (laughs) Hey, so, so for for the person then i mean with with all this knowledge that you just dropped you know and i've you know been knowing you and, and working with you for a number of years and you've hit me to a number of things some of the jewels you dropped on this episode i wasn't even hip to all of that and i got to go back and do some additional homework so i appreciate that for the individual who you know has listened and heard some things and had their interest peaked on oh wow I've had an aha moment. What would be kind of the building blocks for someone, given Israel's vast history? I mean, some of the things you kind of just scratched the surface on without even getting to the subterranean minutia that's associated with it, with the vast, voluminous, you know, information and data that's there. What would you recommend to be like the first ABCs or one, two, threes for a person that wants to do a deeper dive into Israel to kind of get more to the truth of the situation and be better able to separate fact from fiction? I would say to anyone listening, and that applies to you, um, you will have to be willing to, as Pastor Tim is saying, do that research, right? So go on. I, I can give you, I, I gave you our website that you can check out what we're doing, ibsi-now.org. If you want to find out about how we can do advocacy, Pastor Tim's the state director of Christians United for Israel, go to kufi, cufi.org. When you're doing that, our friends at Stand With Us, standwithus.com, just one word, standwithus.com, these organizations that do this type of teaching and advocacy will give you tools. You'll have downloadable PDF file, maybe a, a video, these types of things. I also recommend uh, the, the other ones that do advocacy uh, I know that sometimes some, some folks have different feelings, particularly in our community about Prager University. I know there could be sometimes depending on what it's actually dealing with, but it has a lot of good content, especially when it comes to Israel, breaking down the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I was honored several years ago to do a video with Prager called Why Are There Still Palestinian Refugees? You can go ahead and Google that. And we try to break down what the actual controversy is, how the Palestinians have been actually used themselves as pawns in this whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict that oftentimes the concern isn't for them. Ladies and gentlemen, I would encourage you to go to those websites, right? Get the information, right? Go ahead and check that out. Um, it's funny, I would tell our, our young people, there's the good and part, bad part about social media, right? As you said, the bad part is there could be a lot of negative stuff out there that proliferates, goes everywhere, right? But the good part is that it gives you access to worldwide information, connecting you to people that you can talk to. Uh, for example, if those who want to, we have a weekly forum with Ipsy called the Forum on Israel, Africa, and Black America. Anyone can join. It's every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we can provide the link for you or whatever, and you can do it on Zoom. You can do it on Clubhouse. And if you involve yourself in those types of things, ladies and gentlemen, if you're willing to do that, you'll find yourself more and more informed beyond just the headlines and all the other stuff that happens. And let me say this one last thing, Pastor Tim, and it's that often people get nervous. Oh, conspiracy theories. But you know what? If something really is conspiratorial, 
against. In other words, if there's something that's lined up against the person, can I, can I be real for a moment? Yes, sir. If we as black folks have seen government institutions, educational institutions, international institutions, medical, who deemed us as less than people, as incapable. You had a whole cabal, if you will. So Uh you have to understand that just because something might be a conspiracy, don't make it a theory. Sometimes stuff can be lined up against something. And this is true when it comes to Israel, the demonization of it in the United Nations Human Rights Council, the demonization of it often places like the European Union. You can have a lot of misinformation, ladies and gentlemen. So I would encourage you to kind of push past all that noise, Uh do some other research, go to some other places as you inform yourself. We say knowledge is power, right? I guarantee you, as you begin to learn some of these things, like Pastor Tim is saying, you'll have some aha moments yourself. You're like going, wait, 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 wait. This happened? Here's my last thing, Pastor Tim. I know I'm a pastor. I run my mouth a lot. My first first connection to the modern state of Israel was while I was in high school. I didn't even realize it. November 1984, and I remember it like I was that was 40 years ago, right? Almost right. Uh-huh. I'm headed out to go play basketball, football, whatever. I'm in my house, right? I'm going outside. I'm 17 years old. I'm getting ready to go outside, and my mom's watching the news. She's watching ABC News with Peter Jennings. I uh-huh. would remember this. And his last thing he says, and finally, everyone, here's the story. And he shows the story of the Ethiopian Aliyah, pictures of Ethiopian Jews both in Ben-Gurion Airport, kissing the ground and also dancing, right? I'm bugging because I've never seen this before, but I didn't know what I was looking at, right? It wasn't until years later. That was my first foray into the modern state of Israel, Israel taking airplanes and bringing Ethiopian Jews and flying them into the Jewish state. So for me, that was my introduction, not even realized what I was looking at. So folks, inform yourself, go out there, do the deep dive. You're going to like what you see. You're going to be challenged by what you see. That is that is awesome, man. That's <laughs> well, well, well. There, there, there. You have it. Hey, man. Two other things, really quick. I want you to kind of just talk about. Um, I know that people talk about the two-state solution and how come Israel just can't get together with Palestine, et cetera. Uh, can you talk to the impact that Hamas? And Hezbollah, you know, maybe Hamas more so in that particular Gaza Strip area and the problems that they have really, you know, caused and the distinction between that terrorist state or organization and the Palestinian general citizenry, the people. It is so huge, Pastor Tim, and it's one of the first things that people will understand about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Hamas is, by its own admission, an organization that's committed to the destruction of Israel. That's not hyperbole. There, In their charter, it says Israel will exist until Islam obliterates it. That's Hamas. That's Hamas' mm-hmm. own words, right? And they are basically holding hostage over 2 million Gazans, Palestinians, who are in Gaza. Meanwhile, I mean by holding hostage. They are, it's a terrorist state. There's no freedom of the press. There's no free elections. There's no, you can't, if you don't like something the Hamas government is doing, you can't march on Gaza City with your little signs, all that kind of stuff. They will mow you down and not even think twice about it. However, they are very wealthy. They are millionaires. They are billionaires. How do they get all that money? International aid money that's supposed to go to help the Palestinian people, they take it. Where I come from, they call them poverty pimps, right? They right. They, they live in large <laughs> and in charge, okay. private jet, five-star hotels. Flossing. The folks some, see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But the folks of Gaza are among the poorest in the world. Mm-hmm. Job opportunities, prospect. They trying to, many of them are trying to become Israeli citizens because they looking over under that fence and they see Arabs over there that look like them, right? Uh-huh. They Muslim, they, they doing their thing, but they working in 
you know, providing for their family, buying new cars. Like, oh, wait, 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 wait. We may not be Zionists, but we ain't stupid. We trying to live. Right. We're trying to take care of our family. <laughs> this is what's actually happening, Pastor Tim. And you have more and more people who live in Gaza taking their lives into their hands, speaking mm. out, speaking out. You and I can just speak out all we want. We don't like the administration. We can say whatever. We can say about the governor, whatever like that, because I mean, within reason, right? But we can say, right, hey, we right, like right. the protest, all of that. You know what I'm saying? You can march in the street. You know what I'm saying? Shut stuff down if you wanted to. Gaza, they can't happen. The West Bank, that can't happen. So what these people are beginning to do is with that courage, a courage that I couldn't even wrap my brain around, speak out. They're, they're making videos. There was hashtags, everyone, that started a few months ago by people of Gaza say, hashtag in Arabic, we want to be free. Folks who are getting in the water in the Mediterranean, trying to in these shanty boats, trying to get to somewhere in Europe, they, many of them dying, Pastor Tim, tragically dying on the seas. This is how they are protesting, saying, you know what they're saying? They're saying two things, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, Israel is not our problem, right? This not mm. That's not who's beating us down. Mm. Number two, we are willing to put our lives on the line and tell the world that Hamas are the ones stealing our money. Hamas are the ones destroying our families. Hamas are the ones that executed even honor killings against our women. The, Hamas is the one that's doing this. We want to be free. So when it comes to that, folks, if you want to find out how you can help that situation, help be a voice to those people, not anti-Israel. The anti-Israel thing is not helping them because they know that Israel is not the one that's oppressing them. Oh, man. Ah. I got so many more questions and stuff I wanna I wanna ask, man. But not to part two. Yeah, we we, we gotta do a part two, man, because this (laughs) this this just wasn't enough time. You know, I thank you, man, for everything that you shared. Thank you for your commitment and the awesome work you and your team with Ipsy, you know, are doing and just the example that you set, you know, for young brothers like myself and others on how to really walk with your head held high unapologetically in your stance, both in support of Israel and as just a grown blankety blank man period you know yeah, for that so any parting words man for our listeners before I let you go today my only thing is Pastor Tim doing what you're doing I'm excited about it and everything that seeing, seeing this podcast seeing your other ventures and everything and I want to encourage you and all the other people that are listening right now got your voice you have to use it whatever your gift is use it use it use it it's important now more than ever before folks need the truth they need other information they need inspiration right I know that that's a that's a big part of the Tim McMurtry uh, enterprise if you will the inspiration <laughs> go ahead people, profit and speak that into existence you know, the enterprise you know you, you can't put a price. People, and I just want to say this, I'm closing out, inspiring people to do good, to use their God-given talents and abilities, that anointing, if you will, is so important. Right now, folks, we have the pandemic stuff and all kinds of stuff going on. Folks are feeling down. They're feeling the, kind of discarded and all that kind of stuff. Like we say, when Jesus saw the folks with sheep without a shepherd, yeah. you be that shepherd, ladies and gentlemen. You be that person. You stand up. You've you got something on your mind. You say that thing. Be willing to put yourself out there and watch the amazing things that happen because there are people that are waiting to hear something different so that they can move in the direction that they need to. So just, man, more power to you, man. We're just praying for you, sir. Hey, man, I appreciate that and I receive it. Thank you so much 
for that. And for you all out there listening and viewing, thank you so much for your viewership and listenership. Appreciate Pastor D joining us on today's show. Uh, remember to like, share, and subscribe to The Communication Guru Podcast. The Communication Guru Podcast. One more time. The Communication Guru Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Also, be on the lookout for the Morning Timspiration vlog, which are inspirational words of encouragement, you know, wind behind yourselves that I give out to help people get through their day because sometimes you need an attaboy or an girl at any given moment to help you move forward with that. They can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And finally, if you have a communication issue that you would like some assistance with, be it personal, organizational, relational, or otherwise, feel free to... Uh, Drop me a line or, or DM me for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation or discovery session. And you can DM me at Tim McMurtry on LinkedIn or Facebook or at Mr. Temspiration on the gram or Instagram with a brief description of your issue. We'll hop on the line with you, get a call scheduled and see what we can do to help you out with that. So. With that being said, we are out of time for this episode. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bam.